That's right. Welcome back to another episode of 99 Pod. It's not 1999 anymore podcast. And we give you the biggest debates on the hottest topics out in the sports universe. And it's going down. You know, last week was our first week since um, making the transition to this show. And we got a lot of good feedback. And so definitely continue bringing those good feedback over here and negative as well. We want to see how we can get better at what we do as well. So, um, yeah, if you could listen to Antonio Brown's music, you could definitely walk over here with 99 pod. OK, I'm just keeping it a buck. But anyway, um, I got my co-host here. He wasn't here last week when we kicked things off. So I just want to quickly throw over the mic over his way and let's see what Zach is doing and how he's feeling today. Zach, what's going on, my guy? Well, what's going on, dude? I'm so happy to be here. So happy to be a part of this new era uh, with you. Not 199, uh, not 1999 anymore. 99 pod. Here we go. I'm excited. I'm pumped. It's going to be a good show today, man. So much has happened uh, since we've last recorded. I can't wait. But I had a really busy week last week. You know, I'm a big college basketball fan. I was actually uh, at Madison Square Garden on Tuesday at Big East Media Day, talking to some Big East coaches, uh, talking to some players. It was a really cool experience. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. But yeah, it's already week seven, week eight in the NFL. There's no better time of year. We have the trade deadline coming up. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. I know I'm excited for that and just excited to be here, man. You know, not um, many better uh, times of year. Late October, the MLB playoffs are in full swing. We have a World Series matchup. You know, the NBA is back. It's an exciting time, and uh, there's no better place to be than right here. And it's a very jam-packed, you know, type of sports radio calendar right now. And there's a lot of things that are worth talking about that couldn't make its way on our show today. And I'd rather it be that way. I'd rather us have so much to talk about where we have to make a process of elimination rather than trying to scramble and nitpick for something to talk about. So it's a good time, Zach. We might as well get it because it's showtime. And ladies and gentlemen, we might as well kick things off. And normally when we have a headline topic, we pick one of the best games that we see over the weekend. But this weekend, this past weekend was a little bit different because two teams that we thought was going to be amongst the elitists, okay, the elite in the NFL right now is playing obsolete. And we got to talk about these two teams right now because it's very shocking. Brady's Bucks, Rogers Packers, both are three and four after latest upsets over the weekend. Or both teams done. D-O-N-E done. Finito. And Zach, the mic is yours. Yeah, well, this is just such an interesting topic because really since we've been doing this show over the last two plus years, these two teams have been constants. They've won a lot of games. They've made uh, deep playoff runs. And it is crazy uh, being here right now, seeing both of these teams at three and four. And if it's crazy right now, what happens if one, neither, both of these teams might miss, uh, miss the playoffs? It's crazy. So in terms of the question, are both these teams done? I'll say off the bat, no. Just because the NFC is so bad, especially in the middle, and it's pretty wide open. And it, you do have Tom Brady, you do have Aaron Rodgers, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. But I'll get into both teams a little bit quickly, uh, starting with the Packers. And it's weird because even though they don't have Devontae Adams anymore, I did expect the Packers to take a little bit of a step back, but I still picked them to win the division. I still thought they were going to be a really good football team. I was expecting their defense to be significantly better. And it's one of the more disappointing units in the NFL, to be quite honest. They have so many talented players by name, Alexander, Gary, 
uh, all those guys. And unfortunately, they just play this soft zone coverage. Kenny Clark uh, up there in the pass rush as well. And they just get picked apart each and every game. And Malafour, we a lot of people crowned him because he won a lot of regular season games over the course of the last three years. Uh, the Green Bay Packers were really struggling the last few years of the Mike McCarthy era. But the thing about him for me was in a big game, I never got the sense I could trust him. And I don't know if you remember this, but I believe two summers ago, the first time we did our head coaches list, I had Matt LaFleur much lower than you and I believe coach did. And you guys were like, wow, like, why do you have Matt LaFleur so low? And I just kept thinking back to that NFC championship game against the Buccaneers when he just made two calls the kicking a field goal down by, I believe, five with like two minutes left that just cost the Packers the game. And anytime the Packers face any adversity, they just fold. And it's it's bad. And Aaron Rodgers has been an elite player the last two years, but he's been a dud this year. He's been very disappointing. When you lose a, a guy like Devontae Adams, you expect the quarterback to step up. And I know we get on the Packers uh, front office a lot for the fact that they don't have – a very good wide receiver talent. It should be better. And I still think it's one of the craziest stats in NFL history that Aaron Rodgers, I believe has only thrown one touchdown to a first round pick in his whole career. Like that is insane. Uh, and so I'd be curious to see if the pack, what the Packers would look like if they might, if they uh, maybe would upgrade at receiver, but you know, you have Aaron Jones, you have AJ Dillon, you're supposed to have a really good offensive line, but they can't stay healthy. The defense is really disappointing. And if Matt LaFool, like I know they have all these problems, but this is why, like if you have a good head coach and a good quarterback, you should be able to escape these problems. And for some reason they can't do that. And it's just weird because in the giant game, they were up by 10 and they blow that lead. The jets, that the Jets kicked their ass, but the game was pretty close. You know, the Packers were right in range until midway through the third quarter. And this game, uh, this past Sunday against Washington, they were up 14-3. The Packers defense gets a pick six of Taylor Heineke early in the game. And you're thinking, okay, here we go. Packers defense makes a play. But then Terry McLaurin, what a game by him. I was really impressed uh, watching the chemistry between him and uh, Taylor Heineke. He's just burning Jair Alexander. Heineke made that one sick throw. And Washington, they were the better team. That These games don't feel like flukes. And if I'm the Packers, that would be the scary thing. And one last thought on Green Bay, and I'll pass the mic to you. Um, I did say on this show a few weeks ago after that Monday night game between the Eagles and the Vikings that I said, as long as Kirk Cousins is the Vikings quarterback, as long as Aaron Rodgers is the Packers quarterback, I'm still going to pick the Packers to win the NFC North. I did say that. And it's crazy, Will, because I'm looking at the Vikings right now. They're five and one. For some reason, I still don't trust this team. It's Kirk Cousins. I don't trust him in a big game. And I'm looking at the Packers schedule, right? They do have an opportunity to get back in this thing. They have a few home games against some really good teams. Dallas comes to Lambeau. The Tennessee Titans come to Lambeau. The Vikings come to Lambeau. Uh, the Rams come to Lambeau. Like there are some good teams coming to Lambeau that if the Packers win, they could get back into this thing. So I'm not completely counting them out yet just because I still believe in Aaron Rodgers over Kirk Cousins. But this team has to make some serious changes uh, if they want to turn things around. Yeah, so to answer this question, I would say that the Packers are done. The Buccaneers are not. Now, specifically, let me talk about the Packers and pick up where you left off. So, basically, overnight, Matt LaFleur went from being Matt LaFleur to Matt LaFool. I mean, I don't know what's going on over there with the coaching. I think he has exposed himself this year because that's part of coaching. 
when you lose a top level elite wide receiver, the best in the game, okay, and you have all the training camps to prepare for such an event. You knew he was out, right? He got traded. You had the whole summer OTAs training camp to have your team better prepared and better equipped to adapt with life after Devontae Adams. And he has failed tremendously. And a lot of it has to do with the wide receivers. I get it, dropping balls, mental errors, but that still falls in line with coaching and proper coaching. Anyway, the reason why I say the Packers are done and the Buccaneers are not is because the Packers right now, the Vikings have a three-game lead. So barring that the Vikings collapse and the Packers surge, we need both of those things to happen. At worst, there will be a team that makes the playoffs without winning the division. That works, right? Or they might not make the playoffs at all. But let's say they do make the playoffs and they have to go on the road. They don't, ha they don't have the home court advantage that they used to have. Let's remember, Aaron Rodgers is five and six on the road in the playoffs. So I think that's the ceiling right there, unless the Vikings collapse and they surge. So I'm sticking with the Vikings to win a division right now. I think that even though they haven't been winning pretty, they've been winning. And that's what you want to do is win your division and win how you can. So that's why when you look at the Buccaneers and their division right now, every team in that division is under 500. Now, I know they just lost to the Panthers, a team in their division. But I just think it's more so that the Buccaneers dropped the, dropped the game, literally. Mike Evans dropped the wide open pass that could have changed the outlook of the game. Now, I know a lot of people going to sit here and say, Leo, a game is not decided by one play. But what I would counter that and say, is that there are something called momentum shifters. And a play, one play can change the momentum of a game. I'm a firm believer of that. And that Mike Evans drop changed the game because had he caught that ball, an offense that is struggling, those are the balls that you need to catch. When your offense is not humming, for whatever reason, I'm going to dive into those reasons in a few minutes, you need to catch that ball. And he had at least 10 yards of separation on that play. So I think the Buccaneers are more set up to win, mainly because... They honestly, I don't even think they're a better team than the Packers, bro. I'm keeping it in the buck. I'm about to light my team up in a minute. I don't think we are better than the Packers if we were to play head to head right now. But where we are in our division and where they are in theirs and the lead, the gap that is between them and the Vikings, I think we will be in a much better place. Now, when it comes to the Buccaneers, and I'm going to send this right back over to you. There's a lot of issues going on right now, and it starts with the coaching as well. And that's Todd Bowles and Byron Letwich. You see, now it all makes sense. It all makes sense. Why? Bruce Arians will cross out the plays with Red Sharpie when Byron Letwich and Tom Brady was working on plays because those plays was garbage. That's why. All right? You know what? It's funny to me because Todd Bowles, right, or should I say Bruce Arians, gave Todd Bowles one of the best coaching jobs in American history. Okay, literally. You talk about African-Americans, minorities, and factually, we don't get the best jobs. Most of the jobs we do get, if we do get them at the hierarchy positions in the NFL or jobs that are impossible to win. Not Todd Bowles case. He got the best job in America. The GOAT as his quarterback, a team that won a Super Bowl two years ago, lost in the divisional round a year ago. OK, weapons, talent, all that. And he still can't get it together. There's no creativity. And I won a game is busted up because of our line, our linemen being hurt, but still, there's no creativity. So when you have no creativity from the play calling, the running game is going to be anemic. And I don't see no creativity. So I'm going to end here. The Buccaneers, when we won the Super Bowl, our running game sparked our play action. So we would run the football, then we would go short to deep. 
right? Play action, short passes, then the shots down the field. Right now, it's just little stick routes to the running backs, throwing a, a screen pass to Chris Godwin, who's clearly not healthy. We need to get better play calling. I understand the injuries are what they are, and our lineman is decimated. But that's not an excuse. It's not. The excuse is we are not coaching the game properly. And right now, Todd Bowles is being exposed. Brian Letrich is being exposed. And it is what it is. Who knows? I'm going with the Bucks though, to still be fine. Yeah, it's interesting because as bad as uh, things are going in Tampa Bay right now, if the season ended today, the Buccaneers would have a home playoff game. So if you take that and you look at your chances, you never know. But, dude, what's crazy is I'm not, like, extremely shocked by this start in Tampa Bay. I know I spoke about it a lot throughout the offseason. Like, I don't think anyone expected it to be this bad. But, I mean, for the first time all season, really, with the Bucks losing back-to-back games to the Steelers and the Panthers, I thought to myself, like, is it really possible that Tampa Bay might not win this division? And it, I think it's time we might have to start talking about this NFC South. Like we talk about the AFC South, where each week we're just going back and forth in terms of teams that we think are going to win the division. Because listen to this on Thursday night football, if the Ravens beat the Bucks and the Panthers beat the Falcons on Sunday, the Carolina Panthers, the same team that we the last time we did this show, we were talking about them getting the number one pick in the draft. They will be by themselves in first place in the NFC South. If that goes down, those two results, which I think are very possible, which is insane. But with Tampa Bay, man, like I just don't know if Tom Brady wants to be there anymore. I, I really don't. I said it throughout the off season. I, I just think that when it comes to him in Tampa Bay, there was just some weird stuff going on. I think he wanted to be a Miami Dolphin. Obviously, the Brian Flores stuff, that uh, blew that whole thing up. And there just hasn't really been a minute or a second, for that matter, where I've watched Tom Brady play football this year. And it's like, okay, it looks like he wants to be he wants to be there. I know the numbers are all right, eight touchdowns, one interception. But it looks like he doesn't want to get hit. Throughout his career, what's made Tom Brady so great is the work and the preparation that he puts in uh, before the game, off the field, behind closed doors that no one ever sees. And that's what has given him such an advantage because he's never been the most naturally talented player in the league. You know, he was a sixth round pick. But then this year, I'm seeing he's taking a 10 day uh, break from training camp. And he was at uh, Robert Kraft's wedding two days before the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he flew in by himself and he missed the final walkthrough. And I'm not even blaming him for that. You know, he's the GOAT, he's earned that right. Um, he's 45 years old. He's in a different situation than any other player in the league. And I get that. And really, the Buccaneers are super fortunate that he's back because when he retired, it was looking like they were going to have to start Blaine Gabbard at quarterback, which would have been way worse than it is right now. And I just don't know if he's 100 percent in. And when that's the case, I just don't know how far this team could go with that and the head coach that doesn't really know what he's doing. I mean, look. To be fair, Tom Brady and his situation outside of football, right, with Giselle and all the reports that we have heard about their, you know, tumultuous relationship right now, spiraling relationship, rather. You know, I think when you have a lot of things going on in your household, that does affect you in how you gravitate your time to one particular aspect of your day-to-day life. So, of course, that's going to have an impact. But what I thought and what most people thought 
was that it's Tom Brady. If there's anybody we trust juggling a multitude of things in his life, it would be Tom Brady. And Claire, I would say that it has affected him. But more so, it's like Tom Brady is just, um, I don't know what, what's going on in Tom Brady's head. You know, I'm not even going to try to defend that. Me, I'm an individual that I never had to defend Tom Brady because what's there to defend? My man's won seven rings. I don't have to be on a politician tour with Tom Brady, and I'm not going to be on this today. Whatever is going on in his personal life is going on in his personal life. But come playoff time, which I do believe you will get there, Tom Brady's a different specimen. I think at some point Tom Brady will lock in, and if he doesn't, then the Buccaneers are going to be what they are, a bad football team, which they are right at this very point. Now, another reason why we are this bad is because our free agent class is this bad. Let's look at these free agents that we brought in this summer, right? Julio Jones, wide receiver, hasn't played since week one, partially torn ligament in his knee. Defensive end, Akeem Hicks, hasn't played since week one with a partial tear in his foot. Safety, Logan Ryan, missed three games with a Jones fracture in his foot. Tight end, Kyle Rudolph, missed five games, not because he was hurt, because he was shit ass, no injury. Russell Gage, dealing with a lingering hamstring injury since training camp that caused him to miss valuable reps with Tom Brady. So the class that we brought in is not producing. So when your class is not producing, guys that would look to be key contributors to your team, these are the results that you're going to have. So the Buccaneers got work to do. I'm not optimistic about where we are right now, but I do feel that we still, because of the division that we in, have a chance to sneak into playoffs and club playoff time, everything else is fair game. And I know it's still super early. It's seven weeks in. Both of these guys in their career, by the way, have gotten off to not so great starts and have recovered. But Tom Brady has not lost three games in a row since the 2002 season, his second year in the league when the Patriots missed the playoffs. And this Buccaneer-Raven game on Thursday night, man, I'm really looking forward to it because – I don't really know what to expect. Tom Brady on a short week, you would think that uh, that gives him an advantage uh, on a short rest. But Lamar Jackson, uh, I'm, I'm excited for that one. And it's a big game for Tampa Bay because I'll say it again. If the Ravens win that game and the Panthers on Sunday beat the Falcons, then the Carolina Panthers, Steve Wilkes and P.J. Walker will be in first place by themselves in the NFC South. Ladies and gentlemen, I have nothing else to say. Let's move on to the commercial break. We'll be back. 